Welcome to today's episode of Pipeline Things. We deal with the similarities between snowmobiling, going off track, and running an MFLA technology. If you're not aware of the close similarities in those two, you need to pay attention to this episode. But no, seriously, we talk about <laughs> digging yourself out of a hole. And really, there's some practical guidance to operators. Uh, let me ask you a question before you listen. Are you using R-String for all of your burst pressure calculations? Depending on your answer, you really may want to listen to today's episode. Beyond that, have you ever thought about how to contact your vendor? Should you just rerun MFLA? All of those questions and more on today's episode. Thanks for joining us. to today's show of Pipeline Things. I'm your host, Rhett Dotson, Thing 20, and my co-host, compadre, partner in crime here, Thing 20 Fun, one, 21 Fun. 20 Fun, I love it. 20 Fun, otherwise known as Mr. Christopher DeLeon. Uh, so today we come to you super excited about today's show. I have to clear up things. Uh, we got a lot of feedback on me hanging upside down <laughs> in the introduction to last week's episode. I don't know how many people understood that that came from the Super Bowl. We discovered that yeah. there was a clear generational gap in your appreciation of the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> um, so if you weren't aware, I don't usually hang upside down from my kids. We, we just like shenanigans. We do we just like, like shenanigans. shenanigans. We got to keep you guys coming back. My kids were impressed I could hang upside down. But no, that was a playoff of a 50 cents riff of in the club from, mm. uh, from the, yeah. the Super Bowl. So if you go watch the halftime show, then it makes a lot more sense why I'm hanging upside down. Or don't. Or Whatever. Don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, so Christopher, man, how are you doing today, buddy? You know, I'm 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 doing great. Um, I'm still kind of on a little bit of an adrenaline high. Um, have you ever been snowmobiling, buddy? I still got the mark on my nose to show that I went snowmobiling last yeah. week. So you, it's actually, um, they, I don't think it'll come through on the camera, but I've yeah. got the remnants of peeling from I think yeah. it's either frostbite or windburn. <laughs> Uh, from doing a solid 55 plus on a snowmobile yeah. uh, in Utah. All right. Well, um, what'd you take from it? What'd you enjoy? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I got to be, it was an adrenaline rush. <laughs> what I learned is don't get stuck. Like, I am not good enough on a snowmobile to go off trail and bury it. Yeah. And so if you do find yourself getting stuck, you should not do what you did, which is lay onto the accelerator and just watch as it's No, no, I was wiggling it. I was trying to get traction, okay? All I know I is by the it. time I got to your sled, it was up to my waist, which was up to like your shoulders. So <laughs> that's because I was digging, okay? There was some fresh powder. Hey, Utah powder is legit. Man, that stuff the is Utah great. powder is legit. But you know, man, look. I was gonna hit you in the face with the snowball, but I couldn't I couldn't, you pack couldn't it. make it stick. I couldn't I couldn't make it stick. You got pretty lucky. No, I, I I think you know that yeah the takeaway there and i the the, the snowmobiling was amazing it was but yeah the company once, is that what you're gonna say once the people you're you with the come the people we're with and they know who they are we're absolutely amazing <laughs> uh but once you start to bury that sled do not hammer down on the accelerator that is a terrible idea if you feel yourself sinking it's like the literal version of burying. You just if you hammer down. So it maybe just goes, take a minute to think about it. If you're already stuck, maybe think about it. Is what you're saying. Oh, if you're stuck, you need to think. You should probably get off the sled, 
you should have. I don't even know if sled's the right word. Yeah. Snow you know, machine? It's not snow machine. You know, I actually looked for the phrase snow machine everywhere that we were. I did mm. not see snow machine. I like the way you once. said that snow machine. It's like you're mowing the, the <laughs> ice. Is that what you're saying? The Are you snow? making fun of my accent? <laughs> uh, I only saw snowmobile on all of the documents, on mm. all of the signs. But yeah, get. Well, look, once you're stuck, mm. get off of the snowmobile, assess the situation. Get help if you need to. Get help. <laughs> Call for help. <laughs> you may be buried deeper than you want to dig yourself out. We have some cool pictures. If you guys are interested, feel free to reach out to us. We'll, if we'll you share can a find bit. Christopher in the picture, because he's so deep in the snow digging the machine out. But yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I, I had a big takeaway from it too. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I feel like it's a little bit synonymous to to or analogous to to inline inspection, and it's sometimes you just have to dig your way out of your situation. You know, but I think you could run that parallel further. Not only dig your way out, but sometimes you need to stop, step away from mm. the situation, mm. evaluate it. Ask you, for help. You, you might need to ask for help from other people, right? So uh, today's today's show, it's going to pick up on where we left off last week, right? So again, I want to tell everybody in the audience, if you need to catch last week's episode, I'd highly recommend before you jump into this one, because we, we got knee deep into the IPC paper from 2012, uh, which there was a follow-up paper this year from PPIM, mm -hmm. uh, Baker Hughes and TC Energy partnered together. Yeah. Uh, that paper dealt with some of the, I'd say, limitations of MFLA technology, yep. even as it was known, I would say, a decade ago, we've been aware yeah. of these issues. And we're not going to beat those issues again on this episode. I'd, I'd encourage the audience to go back and take a listen there. We covered, you know, limitations related to complex corrosion, limitations related to uh, wall thinning, and uh, what you should do when you encounter the situations. Yeah. And TC identified a couple of uh, steps. We, we, we also talked a little bit about how MFLA works, which is a good principle for MFL in general. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so it, it's it's honestly, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a learning episode as well as something else. And we we left two questions unanswered. I mean, they, they really were, were not dealt with at the end of that episode. The first one was how do you work with your vendor, mm -hmm. right? And you immediately were like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's too deep. And I said, okay, we can't go down that path in this episode. And then the second one was, what do you do if you only have one set of MFL data? Yeah. So off show, we were chatting about this and you said, look, you know, really, Rhett, what you're trying to do here is, is we need to rephrase this whole question yeah. as how do you use MFL for an integrity assessment? Yeah. And so let, let's let's begin there. So Chris, you sure. gave me the question. Now okay. I'm giving it back to you. No worries. How do you use MFL A, let's keep it there, okay, for an integrity assessment? Sure. I think um it's important to think about what we're trying to achieve. Um so a lot of times it's th th there is a concept here in the United States that's regulatory, you know, where we feel like we have to do something to comply. And then there's an element of the objective, which is an integrity assessment, right? And uh, you know, I like to say what we do is keep pipe round, sound, and in the ground. And sometimes that's the objective in truth. That's the idea regulatory aside. That is the ultimate objective. Yeah. And so when when you deploy uh, an ILI system, in this case, an, an MFLA, you know, what we're trying to do is collect sufficient data about a specific threat. Often with MFL, it's external corrosion. And then we're trying to do um, an assessment of that threat on the pipeline and say, is this pipe fit for service, right? Or how long or can it stay round, sound, and in the ground? 
And, and to do that, so um, you, you ran an ILI, you ran an MFL, you picked your vendor, you picked your tool. Um, there's really good guidance in API 1163 on, on how to set some of that stuff up. If you haven't read it in a long time, um, you know, there's, there's a, a revision. Um, take a look at it. You know, it's, it's important to see what, what changes are there and, and see how best practices is currently see, seen these days. You know, we talked about the incident in the IPC paper was 10 years ago, you know. It's a good idea to look at 1163 and see how 1163 has changed in the last 10 years. So let's start. Um, and, and I kind of like what you said about regulatory versus round sounding in the ground. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that that is uh, probably in, in independently an episode in and of its own. <laughs> you just like making up episodes, Dude, don't I you? Because do, you give me ideas right <laughs> on the fly. And I'm like, well, why not? We could do an episode on that. Otherwise, we'll sit here for an hour. But I think what I, what I like, though, is let's start with the beginning. Mm. Most operators, and, and I... And I the operators out there, I'm going to go ahead and set the hook for you right now. If you're still with us, and you should be, I think a lot of operators are so familiar with MFL, they're going to think, I know this. Yeah. I've done this. I think that that's the challenge with MFL. It's yeah. a technology that's been around, we've mentioned, 40 years. Yeah. Most ILI vendors may be on their third, fourth, fifth, or in the case of the TC paper, seventh assessment. Ninth. Ninth assessment, yeah. right? And they, they, it becomes so familiar to them that they don't necessarily process new information. I think you're going to get some challenges in this episode that will make you stop and think, am I doing that in my program? Is yeah. our program addressing that? So I want to I give you guys in there. Hang in. So let's start with what is the first thing we typically do with MFLA data when we get it? Um, I think it's fair to say with our background and having, having worked in that space a little bit, um, a lot of times an ILI vendor will, will include burst pressure calculations or they'll classify their, their, their findings, their results as things like immediates or scheduled features, one year features, 180 day features. And so we have a, a tendency, which makes sense, right, to ensure public safety, you know, pipeline operations, you know, environmental security all those things to kind of want to jump on those on those immediates right yeah. and say hey what's what's jumping out at me um, but what I think is important there is understanding the framework or the structure in which you're supposed to be making that decision or you already have in your procedures as to how to make that decision right and I think a lot of times what 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 we can do is it's like you said we fall into a rhythm or a cadence mm -hmm. of this is just how we do things and uh, the whole element of us being engineers sometimes can be a little bit oversimplified, I feel like sometimes, right? right. So, you know, you get an ILI report and, you know, you jump to the immediate section or you open the or, spreadsheet. You know, honestly, maybe even come in prelim, right? So I, yeah. I like this conversation. We talk about regulatory. Regulatory is either depth or 1.1 MAOP based, mm -hmm. right? Which is, which is burst pressure calculation. Yep. So that, you know, a lot of times we may not even be in a final report, be in the preliminary stage. Yep. But regardless... Operators are used to making a decision yep. based off of a number that's yep. calculated, which in this case for MFL, Which often data, they didn't calculate, which is another point. All right. right so where do you want to go first, right? You just, <laughs> so, I feel like this is I, a little bit. I want the audience to know it's like unwrapping Pandora's box here. I don't know exactly what's going to jump out at me. Yeah. So when we talk about burst pressure calculations, let's hit on two things. One, yep. most operators aren't doing that. That's They're correct. just using a number and then a retrofresher ratio. Yep. Real quickly, though, in the context of the paper, what, what are the pitfalls there? Yes. Or maybe even not in the context yeah. of the paper, because I can think of a few that are outside the context yeah. of that paper. So I'll speak to the paper quickly. I think one of the things that the paper focused on was identification, mm -hmm. right? So when you look at an ILI system, you think of probability of identification, 
probability of detection, really it's detection first, then identification, then sizing. So I think what we found in the IPC paper we talked about from 2012, it's more around improving POI, of finding the things that maybe the MFL um, isn't um, normally uh, excelling at either detecting or sizing properly, not detecting, identifying or sizing properly, right? So they focus more on the POI side. I think what, what we want to talk about from a burst pressure perspective is it's one we said oftentimes decisions are being made by an engineer or an operator who didn't perform the calculation. So that's one thing. Just think about that for a little bit, right? But we do that because it's a practice. We assume or expect that that problem has been solved. I think the next step though is it's what happens when you do have a burst pressure calculation that raises a flag. And I think one of the things you then need to be cautious with is it's what do you do then? And so one of the things that's important is as an industry we've done a good job, right? Through consensus standards like um, B31G that kind of gives you a 579, it gives you a path of what do you do? Yeah. Right? So kind of like escalation. Right. So often I would say it's fair to say most operators will either use some kind of B31G or 85DL or, or other name of it is modified, you know, B31 calculation. Right. And so let me say that and just say, so you have an immediate. Yep. What and do you that, do? So that immediate, you know, it's interesting. You have an immediate based on a burst pressure that was calculated by somebody else. I want to pause there for a yeah. moment. Just because even that calculation uses information that the ILI vendor didn't generate themselves. Yep. Right. And most people don't stop and consider that. Right. So uh, modified B31G, original B31G, both of those have yield strength built into the equation. The only information that's really supplied by the operator or by the vendor is the depth and length. In those cases, depth and length. Right? Yeah. So uh, one thing you know, I'd say that people need to be careful of is what if you gave the ILI vendor... Incorrect material properties. Incorrect material properties. Yeah. Wrong smice. Yeah. Maybe what if it was even wrong wall thickness? That sounds like a whole new episode, TVC records. Yeah, 192, it does feed into TVC records, but I think the awareness <laughs> we want to bring about is, is, is that number that an operator uses, don't always take it for granted. Yeah. Check and make sure that it would fed into it. Beyond that, I do then think we start to get into questions of, all right, so now that you're going to take action, um, what's the second step most operators take? Or logically, yeah. where do they go after they find that, oh, I've got a 1.1 feature, 1.98, based off modified B31G, depth and length only. Yeah, so normally there's a process and every operator would do it differently, right? Some operators will say, hey, let's go look at this stuff, right? And, and normally, depending on the resources available, that's, that's usually not a bad thing, yeah. right? Um, another approach you could take is it's, and it's, it's, in, it's in B31G or in 579 is you can just escalate, right? And you can go to in B31G, you could do a level two evaluation, which is R-string or otherwise known as effective area, yeah. right? And that process is also very well understood. And effective, what we're trying to do there effectively is it, with the- Is it well understood? I mean, I would say is so. It? I would say it's a, I, I would say, I think people understand at least this much. You are creating a river bottom profile and providing a more realistic burst pressure calculation. More realistic. That's what I would say. That's more what that, that's the <laughs> more realistic. You can tell his body language is saying something. Oh yeah, if you? you're watching on the video, I'm sitting back in my chair. I'm now grabbing my chin. I'm staring at, at Chris quizzically. Um, I, I don't know how well. I, so I mean, let's let's just start real briefly, right? Original yeah. original yeah. B31G was based off of a parabolic shape. That's mm -hmm. where you get the factors, right? So they yep. take depth and length. They assume a parabolic. shape. All you need is two factors, Boom. right? Length and depth. Done. Yep. Right then after that. Uh, they said, hey, this is a little too conservative. They found that most corrosion features don't have a parabolic shape. Mm -hmm. And they said, let's use rather than two-thirds, which is 0.66, let's use a 0.85 factor in there. Mm -hmm. It matches the data better. And that's yeah. where we got modified B31G, but yeah. still fairly simple. Length and depth. 
Yeah. Which ties exceptionally well to MFL yeah. specifications that are yeah. based on length and depth. Yeah. Once you get beyond that, I think yeah. you say river bottom. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I get the concept of river bottom if I'm scanning it with uh, maybe an ultrasonic probe on the outside yeah. or something like a creoform. Yeah. When you start talking river bottom with an MFL technology, yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna question whether or not our audience mm -hmm. and whether or not operators fully understand how our string works. Yeah. So let, so let's walk through at least a little bit, right? Yes. So conceptually, what you're trying to do is you're saying. Let's take it to the ditch. I, I like what you did. You set a probe, right? So effectively, what Effective Area was trying to do is it's, imagine you're, you, you, you've excavated the pipe, you've sandblasted it, you have a nice good look at the corrosion, and you're, you, you normally would do a one inch by one inch grid. Yes. Right? So let's call rows and columns. Right. Right? And you, you, you have a one inch grid. And then what you would do is you'd have an NDT technician go in there with either a pit gauge, that's more traditional, a gyro or something, um, or a pencil probe or creoform, right? The creoform is a lot better resolution than one inch by one inch. Right. That's a different subject. And you're going and you're trying to find the deepest pit. Within right? each Within grid. Within each grid right. of so one inch by out, one inch. And it's like we're determining for each grid what's the deepest metal loss in that area. Yeah. And we assign a number to each grid. I get yeah. it. We've seen this So, before. So let's say it's four inches by four inches, 16 squares. You do it, and there you have it. But it can escalate, I think, is what kind of what you're getting to pretty quickly, right? If you have, a, let's say, a 24-inch long feature by 24 inches in circumference, that's, that's a lot. And so I think what you then have to do is appreciate that for each column of this grid, you're going down, you're identifying the deepest of all of the the the, the grids within that yes. column, and that cascades down. Yep. And as you do that across every column for each row, you're cascading down the deepest pit, and you would then, if you if you see what I'm saying, you end up with the deepest for each column, and that creates a river bottom profile, kind of yes. like a side view of, of what a river would look like. I've got that. And so once you have that, then you basically run a series. It's a, you normally it can be a manual process, but preferably through a software where you're trying to alternate the different depths and links to find out what gives you the lowest burst pressure calculation. And so what we then need to think about is it's how does MFL replicate that one inch by one and inch? And that's grid? where I'm getting right. So you, you set our string. Yeah. I think where most people understand, and I'm trying to relax my body language here. <laughs> I've taken a seat back. I've got my knee up now. I'm trying to casual bar talk mm. and less antagonistic. I think what the industry understands mm -hmm. or wants to believe is our string is less conservative, more accurate. Mm -hmm. How it gets to being less conservative and more accurate is yeah. what I'm arguing. In the ditch, yeah. when we have the ability to see the corrosion, map it out, whether it's via a grid or via creoform, yeah. yes, then our string works really well. And the river bottom profile and the iterative approach. Yeah. I am questioning how in a complex field of corrosion yeah. with an MFL technology where I'm going to go back to my stream profile, all I've given you is the speed of the stream yep. and I've said find the size and location of every one of these boulders in that complex stream profile. Yep. You can actually get to that river. By bottom. stream, you mean like actually a river now with yeah, rocks in it and nice flow and all that fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. So and it's, it's a good analogy because how wide is the stream? Right. That could be that can be analogous to how wide is the area of corrosion. And so I think I think what you're saying is it's and I'll I'll, I'll go on ahead and drive that point home. Is it's and I think that's our second. It goes kind of back to how we ended the last session. Is it's you know engaging your eye live in. Absolutely. I think the message is not whether it can do it or cannot do it. 
I think the message we want to drive home is it's you need to engage with your with your ILI vendor to understand how you're on. getting yeah. that R string calculation done. Because again, I think the key is you're right. Most operators themselves are not performing that calculation. Well, I, I think that's something to be determined. I would say it's fair in some of our more recent experiences. More than once in a, more than one case, we've seen that there's an opportunity there. To, to investigate. So I, I, just kind of to bring this kind of full circle, right? We said, you know, you, you get a list of immediates, either you go dig, or you can look at, you know, escalating to a, a different type of burst pressure calculation, effective area. What do you do? Right. I, I think our message is you want to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like digging in on your snowmobile. You just want to pause for a minute, you know, ask some questions, maybe ask yes. for some help, think, engage in a discussion, thinking about risk. Right, because if we get it wrong, what could be the consequence? And, and th there you go. That I think that sums it up well. So now that we're outside, you get all of the road noise <laughs> in the background, and so I think this for me is you get you get. I want to walk through the operator. The operator yeah. gets a rupture pressure ratio based on modified B31G that's less than 1.1. Yeah. If the procedure says, "Hey, go ahead and run R string." Yeah. I don't think it's as simple as just running R-string. I think that's the equivalent of laying on to the accelerator on the snowmobile yep. without asking, can I get up this hill, right? <laughs> or out of the hole. Or out of the hole. <laughs> you may end up laying on the accelerator and just, you're not going anywhere and you're just yeah. shooting snow out of the back. Yeah. I don't think most of the industry is familiar with that. And that's my, that's the challenge I want to make sure we get across because I think it is very real. R-string is not always the solution in all cases for all applications of MFLA. So, yes. so what could you do, right? I, I think what's fair to say is it's kind of like so you're stuck. What do you do? One, you what ask could for help. You, do you ask for help do and it. try to get more people involved, yes. right? And actually, I think Miss Producer is asking for help right now. I think she got attacked by a bee. I'm not sure if she's okay. She was actually dancing around the chair. You know, it's a good time for us to take a break before she knocks over the camera or does something else. So we're going to take a break and hear from Dr. Chris Alexander. And we'll be right back with you. My name is Chris Alexander and I'm president and founder of ADV Integrity and we are the proud sponsors of the Pipeline Things podcast led by Rhett Dotson and Christopher DeLeon. In that podcast they're going to be talking about things like integrity management, uh, pretty much anything related to pipelines including regulations, technology and uh, anything that you would need to know. They're also going to be talking about current events. Um, for those of you that don't know anything about ADV Integrity, we're a consulting company. We do uh, full-scale testing. I'm actually here in the lab and really high-end engineering to serve the pipeline industry. And we would love to hear from you. I'm really excited about being sponsors of the Pipeline Things podcast. Welcome back. We are, uh, I'm going to say, knee-deep into this conversation around how do you use MFL as an integrity assessment. And Christopher, uh, we started with burst pressure calculations. I knew, kind of like that snowmobile, that we were going to dig in on that because we honestly, I think we've seen that be an issue, something so simple so many times. Yeah. But we got into the R-string calculation and how you do that. But I, I honestly don't feel like we left the audience with a good takeaway there, okay. right? So it, it touches on the question of how do you work with the, the, your, your vendor? Yeah. So you've run, a, you've run the tool. You're in the scenario where your burst pressures from modified B31G aren't coming back well. You want to see if you can improve the calculation. Yep. You say, I want to run our string. You're saying engage the vendor. Absolutely. Every time. My question to you, what does that look like? I mean, do I just call them and say, hey, I'm supposed to engage you. Hey, <laughs> I need our string. I mean, what should they expect to, to, to get there? Sure. So a couple of tips. Um, 
one, make sure you understand the, the ILI tool, right? So what type of MFL sensors is it using? What's their, their resolution? Um, what's their sampling frequency? Understand the tool and what it's capable of doing. Because not all, I will say this, not all MFL tools are the same, right? They have different size sensors mm -hmm. and they, they collect data a little bit differently. Some have, you know, triaxial sensors where they're looking at f flux leakage and, and different orientations, all that fun stuff. So um, th that's kind of point one. Uh, point two is um, ask them how that tool is able to find the deepest part or deepest parts in that pool of corrosion, right? Because remember, if you go back to it, you're trying to find the deepest point in a column to cascade down and get a river bottom profile. So ask them, hey, how are you finding the deepest, the deepest points in this so that we can cascade that down why, into a river bottom profile? Pause, why not just ask simply, how did you get from the colors on the screen mm -hmm. or the squiggly lines on the screen yeah. to a river bottom profile? Can you not just ask the question as simple as you that? You can, and, and with, with the intent of understanding what is the increments of them generating the river bottom profile? Is that truly one inch by one inch? Is that a one millimeter by can one I ask millimeter? You a nuclear question? Oh boy, this guy. You can decline to answer it. I don't know how we do this. I don't know if we can edit this out. <laughs> Audience, you should be on some shoes. What is he gonna ask? Whose responsibility is the burst pressure calculation? The operator, 100%. So 100%? 100%. Yeah, so the, the vendor does what you ask them to do. So it's it's on the operator to understand what your service provider is doing. Whether that is the ILI vendor or it's a third party, i.e. us, or one of your other subcontracted laborers, when you get that burst pressure calculation as an operator and as the engineer responsible, it is your job to understand how that calculation was done and the data and, that and the accuracy of that calculation. Absolutely. Wow. So just you know, going back to that. So it's, it's your job to understand if you want to progress to a more uh, robust calculation, something like R-string, yeah. or accurate, let's say, it's incumbent on the operator to understand how that's done, yeah. understand how the data is fed into it, yeah. and how we get from squiggly lines and colors on an MFL screen yeah. into a river bottom profile. Into a river bottom And then profile. how that river bottom profile, because again, R-string is uh, iteration, right? It's different yes. combinations of the depths and the lengths to find the lowest burst pressure and that's what's exported right all right so after you've done that chris yeah where do we go next so yeah. assuming we've gotten the burst pressure calculations we have circled up with our ili vendor we feel good about them yeah. you know what's what's the next step for you so uh the natural process is you've l let's just jump to and say you've built your dig plan you're comfortable with all that you went and you dug all the nasty stuff uh next two steps ideally would be one is it's validate the the ili performance right so it, for example in both now liquid and gas you know 1163 is incorporated by reference 1163 being the qualification of ili systems so you you, you want to document and have that process that could also be a whole nother show we're not going to get into that today i think we spawned i'm hoping miss producer is keeping notes that we spawned at least two additional <laughs> episodes from this episode um we should let the audience vote on it yeah. just throw it out what there hey you guys vote which one do you want yeah. what so what do we do if they say neither yeah well I don't know. We 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 asked Miss Producer what she wants. Um, so one, you, you want to document your, your your ILI tool qualification validation, and then the next step is you got to understand what's next for the pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. So what did you learn from looking at the ILI data and going and digging digging the the pipe and repairing it? So maybe the morphology of the corrosion um, was not something you expected. You know, maybe you have axial slotting or axial grooving, right? Or a metal loss that's affecting the long seam or the girth weld, right? So as you understand those things, you got to go back and say, how good does this MFL A tool 
provide me data to describe that morphology of corrosion and then characterize it like we talked about based on your, your defect assessment methodology. Is it length I care about? Is it width I care about? Is it depth? Is it interaction? What is that? Yeah, I'm jumping back to our, 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 our original segue, which is looking at being on the snowmobile. Mm. And I'm imagining you're off the snowmobile at this point. Mm. You have to learn from, from how you got stuck that time or your potential <laughs> gets stuck again. So I'm here. Can I lay on the accelerator to get up the hill? I gotta be honest with you, sometimes they kept trying to turn us around wanting to go. I felt further into the cavern and I'm like, I don't know that I wanna go further into the cavern. Momentum with is this important snowmobile. sometimes though. Sometimes you don't wanna stop. So right. you gotta kinda know when to keep going and keep digging and per se in this analogy or, least, or pause. Yeah, one 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 time I just got off the sled and turned it over and said, You're going to get me out. I called for help. And I turned the sled over to a professional and said, please. So have a professional on the team. That's yeah. important. Don't ever go snowmobiling in, in uncharted territory, at least familiar in, in land. That, that not you're not, if you're not familiar with it, make sure you take an expert. And you can correlate that to ILI as well. Yeah, new ILI system, new threat, all that stuff. You've got to examine, do I have the right tool for where I'm at now? Yeah. Right. If I'm facing a 45-degree incline, I may not have the right sled. Yep. If I'm needing to turn this around and go deeper, I may not be the right person on that sled. Yep. This really gets to evaluating, do I have the right technology, right? Because, again, I think this is, Kristen, and this isn't a whole other episode. I think we need this. This is a natural progression. Okay. Most operators are on a five to seven-year reinspection interval. When they finish with one MFL, they justify that they've gotten rid of enough features so that they can reinspect to the, the next interval, five or seven years, or they yep. set the schedule. Yep. I do not personally feel most people stop and say, was this the right tool? Was it the right tool? Yeah. How do they arrive at that? How does so, an operator decide or what path do they take to say, oh gosh, should we run an MFL A? Should we run an MFL S? Should we run something or MFL C? What should we do next? Yep. Um, number one, each operator uh, gets, to, gets to define that, number one, right? And it's based on one you always, we always like this term, I think, right? Data integration, right? Integrate all the data you have about your system and about what you've learned. I would say uh, good, good tips are um, the Pipeline Operators Forum, which is also in 1163. They have this figure that describes the different uh, metal loss classifications, right? And, and of those metal loss classifications, these are commonly known as general corrosion, axial slotting, circumferential slotting, axial grooving, circumferential grooving, pinholes pitting. You want to understand- Love how you name those also sequentially so fast. I feel like that was, that was a bit flashy, but well done. <laughs> So the point is, each ILI system will do a better job at those different type morphologies. And the same goes for cracks and dents and all the other threats, geohazards, all the fun stuff. So you need to understand what you're trying to characterize and how well that ILI system does. So if you found you have um, metal loss impacting the long seam and you, you found some select seam mold corrosion, MFL A is, is not going to be the right tool for that, period. Even if it's a high, ultra high resolution, you got to ask these questions. What's the POD for that ILI tool for that threat? the POI and the sizing. If they can't do that, then how do you build a system around it? Right, so, and, and actually I feel like, you know, again, I don't want to go to it just directly, but the, the 2022, the PPIM paper yeah. between Baker Hughes and TCE, this year's yeah. publication between them, actually did a pretty good job of that. They broke down all of the features across, you know, hundreds of runs, hundreds of dig data, yeah. according to the POP diagram and looking at how the MFL tool performed for each of those. I think logically, what you're telling me, what I'm hearing is within an operator's program, yeah. I should look at the morphology of the features that I'm finding in the ditch, not simply whether or not the tool agreed. Bingo. So the takeaway is, if you're finding something, 
like slotting or yep. grooving or yep. indications of it. Or in this case, what PGTC Energy called complex corrosion, complex pits corrosion. in general corrosion. That should give an operator pause to examine whether the tool is correct for the threat. Bingo. And sometimes it's multiple tools. You might still need to deploy an MFL-A and then complement it with something else. Yeah. And we've said a lot of Baker Hughes. Um, that's only because we're, we're using two papers. It, yep. it, it created they, a nice they were scenario. Just two, yeah, they were. They were um, two you know, good TDW has a has a multi data set tool which incorporates different technologies. Yep. Enduro, Rosen. Again, it, it, we're not. We didn't get any endorsements. Uh, although, if you guys want to help us buy some equipment, you know, we'll, we're up for it. <laughs> or some cool swag. <laughs> a um, shameless plug. Yeah, that's why I kind of cover my uh, my drink over here. But I don't think we've reached the point of fame yet where we have to worry about endorsement. We're not like you know like you can't smoke in a movie and things like oh, that or yeah. drink. I can't I say this, dude. Dude, our tech is legit now. Dude, like our our microphones. Uh, like Miss Producer just showed us a fancy new standing camera. She's got headphones. I and I want to thank you. That's all from audience feedback. Like, look, we got it loud and clear that we were struggling with audio, and our production team took care of that. You know, and so cheers to ADV Marketing. Cheers to ADV Marketing. Absolutely, Miss Kara and Miss Producer. Who I like to just keep her as Miss Producer. I don't know if I want to identify her by name. <laughs> I'm afraid people them. might look her up. Yeah. If they, they might try and take her. Yeah. Um. So doing a great job. But you know, I think I'm, I'm feeling like this, there's still lots of questions, Chris, yeah. that we could ask about MFL. Like we've really only touched on, uh, on two things and I wanna recap them, yep. but I think this is a point where we start to put a bow on this episode that we've had. But I, I wanna encourage, if you guys are out there listening to this episode, uh, my, my email, rhett.dotson at ADV Integrity. I should get a Thing20 email. Or Christopher. I bet, you, I bet you could do that. Or a Thing20, you know, yeah. uh, Thing21. Uh, Christopher DeLeon at ADV Integrity. Christopher dot DeLeon yeah, if you've at ADV. Got, ADV. you got ADV questions for us or you have things we didn't answer, yeah. I would love to hear back because I think there are more we questions. We don't charge for phone them. calls, FYI. If you've we talked don't. to us in the last four months, you know we don't charge for and phone And most calls. of the feedback we've been getting is really positive. But I just want to, to button up this episode, right? So a couple of things. We, we got knee deep into the first step that operators take with mm. MFL data, which is around that burst pressure calculation. How do you respond? Yep. And the key takeaway there is if you're going to escalate that burst pressure calculation, you really need to engage your vendor yep. and understand two things that are important. One, what is the premise or the technology premise, the sensor, the limit, all of that. You need to get into the complexities of the sensor arrangement that's being used to characterize your pipeline. Yep. Second thing, you need to interrogate how are you taking the squiggly lines and colored things and getting to that river bottom profile that serves as the basis for that burst pressure and calculation. And let's not downplay the iterative process either. Like, let's make sure the calculations are being done properly. I, 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 I agree. Yep. Uh, without saying anything more than that, yep. I think what you identified and it's taken for granted is that the operator is responsible for the calculation. Yep. Right? And so they need to make sure they do due diligence as they do that. Uh, and it's okay to help. ask for help though. That's exactly. another key. We always keep exactly. saying this. Kind of, we get stuck in the snowmobile. We asked for help. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Uncharted territories. You didn't help. dig out alone. There were two others, three, <laughs> maybe four people helping you at one point in time. So uh, the second thing we got onto was, you know, before you just jump to, hey, let's rerun MFLA, ask, mm -hmm. you know, did the data that I got from the ditch, did the integration of that, did looking at the feature morphology, does it support that MFLA is the right tool mm -hmm. to address that integrity threat? And so that is a good point for us to wrap up. All of that cased around the idea of if you go snowmobiling in Utah, number one, protect your face. <laughs> Windburn is real. Don't go uh, alone. 
don't go alone. If they tell you not to go off trail, don't go off trail unless you've got a qualified expert or experts with you. Fortunately, we had two of those. Uh, but it is a lot of fun. Again, we hope you've enjoyed this. I, I, I want to jump in and say, this is supposed to be fun though too, right? So the snowmobiling was work, but it was fun. And what we do as integrity engineers, it is a lot of Man, fun. I, I, honestly, I enjoy getting in these conversations. It's a lot of fun. I tell you, digging into to, to, to our string, and when and where it works sometimes, it is it is fun because yeah. you're digging that, into a problem. We're, 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 we're nerds. I, I think that's the engineer. We just the can't call it. That's the engineer. We will not us. change this to Pipeline Nerds. But no, thank you very much. Uh, if you like this episode, please like and subscribe. Share it with people. We appreciate all of you guys that are out there sharing it. And remember, I am Thing 21. Nope. I am Thing 20. <laughs> he wants to be Thing 20 fun. <laughs> he wants to be Thing 20 fun. <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>